Duh. I had just pushed record when you did. <laughs> that's appropriate. That's, a, that's totally appropriate. We just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. We try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's (laughs) mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. Our very first podcast on the road. Mm-hmm. Is there a special name for traveling podcasts? That's it. That's what it is. <laughs> traveling podcast. Traveling podcast. Because we have been traveling the last few days. We have. Can we, wait. Where, yeah. The, can we, can wel- we, welcome to Freudian Sips. I'm Anna. And I'm Bonnie. <laughs> you said that with a lot more enthusiasm than I did. Hello. Hello. We are on the road. You always say hello I twice, I do say though. hello twice. Hello. I even, hello. I even, as I was editing last week, I was like, I'm not going to say it this week twice. And I did. Hi, welcome to Freudian Sips. Hello. Oh, you didn't do that. (laughs) Okay, so can you tell the people why we're on the road? Let me tell the people. Anna and I traveled to a distant city from our own home. (laughs) It's an hour and a half away. Yeah, it's not that far. To go to a workshop as counselors, continuing education, so to speak. And uh, went to a wonderful workshop about art therapy, which is very near and dear to Anna's heart but I also like art yes I'm just not as good at it as she is but I also think I do sometimes but art therapy is not about being good that's right art therapy is not about making quality art it's about making quality therapy (laughs) (laughs) that's a good way to say it that's very good thank you I do use art therapy. I am not an expert, and I'm not licensed specifically yes. in art therapy. Neither and that's am I. significant to say. But right. we did attend a very interesting workshop in art therapy, and then things went south. <laughs> Had a weird <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> so we would usually we've gone to conferences in this city before, and when we've done it before. We have gone back afterwards. The conferences usually only go until about 4 o'clock. So we would usually go back, be back in time for dinner. So this time, my brother, my my mother's other child. (laughs) Thanks for (laughs) clarifying. That brother. Gabriel. Gabriel. Hi, Gabe. Hi, Gabe. I don't know if he listens. (laughs) He's got to listen to this one He's got to listen to this one. He's in it. He is doing a comedy show uh, tonight, Friday night, the night we're recording. And so we decided it was only like half an hour away from where we were at the conference. So we just said, let's just stay in a hotel there. Mm -hmm. So we stayed at the hotel that the conference was in. Or we tried. (laughs) Which is a very, very tall. And I don't know exactly how many floors it is. I want to say 30. I want to say it's 30 stories. It's a very tall. Now remember, Anna and I are kind of country girls. that's well, not, not how I would describe <laughs> myself. Okay, we I'm are, a country girl. We are in the Midwest. Okay. We live. We don't live in a big city. No. We don't have a lot of tall buildings oh, around us. Oh, that's what you were saying. Yeah, we don't yeah. have a lot of tall buildings yeah. around us. Yeah, 30 stories is about 27 stories higher than most <laughs> buildings we know. That's exactly right. So, <laughs> we are very not used to that kind of... And when we've gone to conferences, again, in the same city before, they've usually been in the same place which is not that place right they've been in a different hotel right we've actually stayed in the conference hotel once before and it was a pretty nice place and this was a different place that was a little rough (laughs) so the whole point of our of our rough afternoon is that there was in our area Mm -hmm. high wind advisory and we're talking like 50 mile per hour gusts yeah and, you know, like during the conference when we're sitting at lunch and watching these people from the conference cross the street and they're blowing around because it was mm-hmm. like 
like something from Wizard of Oz. And even it was weird because the conference was on the second floor in one mm-hmm. of the conference areas. We had lunch in the first floor. And after lunch, we came back up and we were both very nauseous. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting there going, did we just get bum food? You know, is this something we ate? But instead, we come to find out it's probably because of the wind, we can feel the hotel moving. Exactly. So we were we were going to stay in this hotel. We check in. We find out we're on the 27th story? 23rd? 23rd. 23rd. 23rd floor. Uh-huh. And we're standing there waiting for the elevators, and we're standing there looking at each other going, can you feel the building <laughs> What is that feeling? What's, we're on the second floor, mind right, you, at right. this point in our journey. So we say, this is weird, and we're still feeling a little off, and mom mm-hmm. has a headache, which she gets when there's vertigo things going on. Yes. So we're standing there. We finally get in the elevator, go up to the 23rd floor, get out onto the tiniest hallway I've ever seen in a hotel. <laughs> it's like one person wide. And we go to our room. I don't know if any of you have ever been on like a ship, like a bigger ship where you can kind of trick yourself to thinking you're not on the ocean until you stand still and really feel it and you can feel it rocking back and forth. Right. That's how it felt to be on the 23rd floor of this hotel. Exactly. Because Anne and I have been on one cruise together few years ago mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it was i am very susceptible to motion sickness and it she can't even ride in the back seat of a car yeah it gets <laughs> i'm 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 a car sick kind of girl and that's why i would kept kind of looking at anna when we were waiting for the elevator and i kept i kept thinking i, I feel like i have motion sickness but that's ridiculous that can't be right she but, kept looking uh, at me going i'm being dramatic but i can feel the building moving right right but then when we got to our room oh you literally could feel it was it was very much Anna said it exactly right it was like being on a ship and like you almost felt like you couldn't keep your balance and it it felt like being drunk which would be a good segue into our episode but I have more to say about this (laughs) we (laughs) hold that thought hold that thought (laughs) hold that segue put a pin in it we'll come back to it so also when we're standing in our room going mom's going I can't stay here I'm gonna have to get dramamine We're standing there and we can hear the building above us and kind of on the side of us going, making terrifying creaking noises. And we're both like, we can't do this. We're we're done. We are very (laughs) done. So I call the front desk. They put us on the fifth floor. But by that time, mom goes, we need to get out of this building. I don't trust the structural integrity of this building. So we left and we found a hotel that was one floor and we stayed there. (laughs) Oh. It was a rough afternoon. It was an adventure. We always say in our family, whenever we do anything, we say that's part of our life resume now. You know, every single experience we have. So that one is on the the page of life resume almost horror stories. Oh my God. It was not happy was not fun. <laughs> I didn't know if mom was going to puke or have a panic attack, but either way, it was going to be bad. Oh, man. I think it was going to be puke, personally. You were, and there Although were also- then I did feel very panicky because yeah. I did feel like I just need to get out. Yeah. It wasn't good. No. And then being already feeling nauseous to that degree mm-hmm. and feeling a little panic, like I got to get out. And then you go out the door of your room into this little tiny hallway. <laughs> run into the wall. Where it's like, holy crap. <laughs> I am so trapped on the 23rd floor of a There's swaying like building. nausea and claustrophobia and all of it going on <laughs> Every at Every phobia. And then we get down to the first floor. We had met one of the attendants in the hallway that was coming to give us our fifth floor room keys. And, we're, and mom's just like, no, <laughs> sorry, no, we're leaving. <laughs> I was nice to him, though, wasn't you were nice. I? You sounded panicked. You were like, sorry, I have sorry, to leave. I got to get out of here. I have right to get now. out of here. <laughs> And we go down, we we say, hey, listen, we're really sorry we have to leave. And then mom runs for the door to get out to the parking garage. And there's like other conference kids that like there's there another many conference. Young I think people. it was we were told later it was like a United Nations thing. Mm. So there's like youths. Many, many youths. <laughs> youths. Taking pictures. And mom's just like bobbing and weaving through them. <laughs> nope. Nope. Like, I'm leaving. Nope. like, nope. I'm going to puke on one of you. <laughs> And they were dressed very nicely. They I did were, not want to They were like all taking them. their cute little pictures, yeah. their little conference like, pictures. Does anyone <laughs> notice the building is moving? <laughs> <laughs> this guy so is 
like, no, she's counseling coming through. Excuse me, excuse me. (laughs) Okay. Oh, my God. So, should we go back to the segue that you put the pin in earlier? I'll take this pin out of this and put it back. Okay, let's read it. Okay. Felt like being drunk. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'll say happy St. Patrick's Day. Yes. First, even though we are recording this before St. Patrick's Day, and I believe it will be released the day after St. Patrick's Day. 17th is St. Patrick's Day. So this will be released on the Monday after St. Patrick's Day. So happy hangover day, everybody. (laughs) So today, in honor of St. Patrick's Day, we are talking about alcohol and specifically the effects that alcohol has on your brain. Mm -hmm. Now, to clarify, we are not going to be deep diving into alcoholism or the long-term effects alcohol has on your brain. We're mainly going to be talking about when you drink, when you have a few drinks in a row. Like, if you're not a big drinker and you go out for St. Patrick's Day and you have five drinks... Here's how these drinks are going to be affecting you. Mm-hmm. And there is such a thing in the DSM as binge drinking disorder. We probably have it because of this podcast. It's all- <laughs> because for women, it's like three drinks. Uh-huh. Women are, we have a low bar. Mm-hmm. I want to say for men, it's like five or six. But mm-hmm. for women, it's like three or four. So there's binge drinking disorder. We're not talking about that either. We're not specifically talking about a disorder or alcoholism or anything like that we are talking about how alcohol affects your brain because this is a podcast about beverages and brains so it's perfect so it's perfect right (laughs) yes we we realize and we are not you know this is like a little disclaimer we realize that alcoholism and the effects of alcohol these are very serious subjects and that even if you don't have alcoholism that alcohol can very adversely affect you right and I'll talk about that a little later as we get into the stuff. deeper stuff. Right. But but yes, if you are drinking or if you are going out to drink with your friends, no matter how experienced of a drinker you are, please be careful. Because even if you don't have alcoholism, it can still mess you up really bad. Right. So even though it's a very serious subject, mm-hmm. it is something that a lot of people would like to just kind of know. Okay, yeah. when I go out on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So we're just kind of looking at the lighter side of it. Sure. Don't be too intense. Yes. Like right a light now. beer. <laughs> Mom just gave me such a dirty look. I was trying, I was trying not to burp. She's like, oh, okay. I was trying not to burp. She's in her anti-burp phase. Because we are drinking beer today again. Because we are on the road and we couldn't bring our boxed wine. Right. <laughs> the boxed wine would not work in it the car. It wouldn't fit in the trunk. <laughs> so we had to revert to bottles. Okay. So where do we start? I don't know. Can you give us a little bit of background about, like, some of the terms we'll be talking about, like blood alcohol content, and mm-hmm. and I, I think you had a few other things that you wanted to mention. Fun things. First of all, I guess that would be those of us who do go out and maybe have a few drinks while you are out, we need to be very sensitive to not drinking and driving, of course. Yes. Mostly because you just don't want to be a dumb guy or a girl and be drinking and driving because that's not a wise choice however also it's illegal because we all know i hope that in most states in the united states at least and really around the world there are laws but i'm just going to kind of focus on the states right now well and i mean it is illegal and that's bad but also i'm a little bit chaotic good and i don't really care about the laws so much as it is dangerous it's extremely dangerous. we never want to harm anyone so when you hear that you know when you hear well if you get pulled over and your blood alcohol is 0.08 percent or above, then you would be in big trouble because you are legally intoxicated and should not be driving. Yes. So so that that number, that BAC that we hear and we kind of throw around, that is the official number in all of the United States except one, which is Utah, which is interesting. In Utah, you only need a .05 to be considered intoxicated. They're stricter about it in Utah. That's the only state right now. Although there are other states that are pushing for that because they feel that by that time, you're already affected enough that you shouldn't be behind the wheel. And when in doubt, I mean, we talk about BAC and we'll get a little bit into this in a second, but that's a very nebulous number. That Mm. number is hard to, it's not like a thing that you keep track of while you're drinking. Right. So when in doubt, just get a driver, have a sober driver, Call an Uber. I mean, there's a lot of ways to protect against drunk driving or buzz driving or any of that. Whatever you call it. When Walk in doubt, home. don't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's our disclaimer. Don't drink and drive. We're just going to keep saying that. Drink even responsibly. Though, if you've listened to our podcast, you know we get pretty goofy. Yes. And we are a little goofy. We are. And we are drinking alcohol as we do our podcast. Yes. So it's kind of like, you know, throwing rocks from our glass house. Right. 
But we drink responsibly. Yes. And when we hope that if you are listening to this podcast and having a, a glass of beer with Beverage. us, then please be drinking responsibly as well. Maybe something we shouldn't have waited until the sixth episode to say, <laughs> but please drink responsibly. So looking up information about blood alcohol content is a little scary for um, me because I am not a math person. <laughs> And there, there were freaking numbers <laughs> everywhere. I was so. like, Mom, can you talk about BAC and how that's like calculated? And she's like, okay, but it's math. Yeah, there's <laughs> so <laughs> much math. Basically, here, let me see if I can say this as simply as I can. Your BAC is equal to the ounces of alcohol times, and then there's a number that's the constant. is 3.75 for men and 4.7 for women because... We get intoxicated easier Mm -hmm. than divided by that person's weight. But there's so many things. And you also have it within that same thing. You also have to take into account the amount of time that you've had that that much alcohol. There are so many different factors, factors, very variables. Yeah. That it, like Anna said earlier, it's really kind of a scary thing because, and, and basically what it is, is the percentage of ethanol, which is alcohol, in your blood. How much is actually in your blood? And it's affected by what kind of drinks you're having. It's affected by how much you've eaten. It's affected exactly. by how much you've hydrated that day. I, there's so many factors that right. go into it. Even that the idea that if your body has more a higher percentage of fat, mm-hmm. you metabolize alcohol differently. If your organs are all healthy and functioning properly or if they're not, right. you know, all of those things. Yeah, you could take you and person. a friend who you think are pretty even if you're the same the same gender, the same, you know, body makeup, you could have the same amount of drinks and have very different BAC just from outside factors. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very you know, as I'll be talking about the effects later, I'll be talking in general terms about it's usually this BAC to this BAC. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say like it's three drinks to four drinks because they're very different BAC for everyone. That's right. What sorry. else, Mom? Sorry, I was distracted for a second. Sorry, right. I got so much. There's so much. <laughs> okay, here's a little fun fact. This whole idea of BAC being legal or illegal came about in 1906 for the first time. It was New Jersey where they enacted the first law that basically said that if you were driving while you were intoxicated, it was illegal. Way back in 1906, which was before Prohibition. Yeah, so, that's weird. But they said that you could not have a BAC above 0.15. So like almost twice wow. what it is now. Yeah. yeah. So back in the day... You could be could be a lot more drunk you and, be and legally get away with it. Kind of side note, the guy there there's a lot of different names going on. One of the names that you hear if you study blood alcohol content is Eric Widmark. Eric was a Swedish researcher and a pioneer in researching ethanol or alcohol in the body, and it it kind of led to where we are now with measuring the BAC and and in using that the blood alcohol content or blood alcohol level. the The idea of the breathalyzer came from another inventor named Robert Frank Borkenstein. That's a that's a mouthful. Borkenstein. Borkenstein. Bork, that's I a really good name for a dog. Borkenstein. Come here, he, Borkenstein. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe no. I think it's Steen. Borkenstein. Borkenstein. Robert Frank Borkenstein. Frank Borkenstein. Um, and he like created it as, and it, you know, like he had this invention of measuring a person's blood alcohol content using your breath, which in itself, which is the way we usually do it, mm-hmm. you know, if you get pulled over and you have a breathalyzer, it's actually one of those things too, like what we said before, that there's so many variables because everybody's body functions differently. So... Even though that's the way we kind of handle that generically, it's pretty iffy as if, you know. But that anyway, that didn't come about until about 1954. That's when he got his trademark on a breathalyzer. Up until then, there were, had to be other ways that they figured it out, I guess. Blood. If you because cr- they had to literally crashed. take your blood. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I have some other kind of fun stuff, but it's not really about the blood alcohol content. That's so, okay. Tell uh, us about fun drinking stuff. Fun drinking stuff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't want to talk about something serious? and I thought you were going to talk about beer goggles. Oh, beer goggles. Yeah. You know, they've actually done studies about beer goggles. You know, we talk about that when you're drinking. Were the- you, so like when I was in, I want to say high school. Is that right? 
That's after Dare, right? Dare's in Dare's in sixth grade. Sixth grade. Yeah. Oh, and they made you wear those. Yeah, yeah. They, they they literally called them beer goggles, but you would like put them on your head. And I was a square in high school, so I didn't drink. So I didn't have a really good reference for like, this is actually what it looks like when you're drunk. Like I didn't drink until I was in college. So like, I have no idea if they were accurate, but they had us put the beer goggles, quote unquote, on mm-hmm. and try to drive a little golf cart. And be like, see, see how messed up you can get. So I have no idea if it was accurate. So like a simulator? No, you actually, you were actually in a little golf cart. Yeah, it was a big open. It was a parking lot. Oh, okay. Ooh, like that's drive around, for a minute drive there. around these people, <laughs> these living humans. <laughs> we're gonna put other students out in this field. <laughs> the teachers got to nominate the students. <laughs> the teachers are like making here, lists. little Jimmy, stand here. <laughs> this is for uh-huh. science. Okay, so the whole idea of, I mean, the slang term for beer goggles is that when you are intoxicated, people appear more attractive to you than they actually would if you were sober. Yes. And so they have literally done <laughs> research to see why why this would be or why, or is it true, I guess, that, that you actually do have that feeling or if that's just... So, like, there's a 2013 study from a group of French researchers, and there's a 2016 Swedish study. And these studies basically confirm, duh, I mean, really, seriously, (laughs) duh, basically confirm that (laughs) if you are, I I think it's hilarious to do these kind of studies. Like, because they had to control, like, they gave people things and they didn't really know if they were actually drinking alcohol. Does that make sense? Like placebos, yeah. Yeah, so they had placebo and they had real alcohol. Among those who drank alcohol, whether they knew it or not, because in the study, like they said, okay, this is alcohol you're drinking. And then another person, they said, I'm not going to tell you whether it's alcohol or not. And then they, you know, and that, so there was like four different controls. Participants were more likely to rate not only other people's attractiveness as better, but their own. So like they're looking in the mirror like, Like, hey, baby, you're looking good tonight. (laughs) So feeling good, looking good. But this is the big thing that is like, duh, again. Their decision at the end was, it's basically psychological because it lowers your inhibitions. And that just makes everything, you know, seem to, you know, seem like, oh, it's better. You know, I can bowl like 250 when I'm drunk kind of thing. So it's not only that your inhibitions are lower, but also it has a psychological edge that you say to yourself, my inhibitions are lowered. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. a double, double-edged sword. You not only actually have lower inhibitions, but you actually also think, hey, because I'm drinking. Right. It is very cultural and very environmental. Because mm-hmm. I, I read about a study, and I don't I didn't save it, but it, it basically like they talked about how different it is in cultures where there's not that perception of being drunk mm-hmm. and how people who drink don't have that, like right. that thought because it's not something they've absorbed from the culture around them. Right. So that is kind of something we do. There you go. Thank you. Should I do this like right by my microphone? Yeah. Ooh, Ooh. that was a good one. Ooh. Let's see what else. Um, in this in this study, this one was from the 2016 Swedish study. They found that those who drank alcohol were <laughs> were friendlier, more talkative, and wanted to be around other people more. Uh, the desire sociability right. is what I heard that so. right sociability the desire to be more sociable was pronounced more in women than men duh <laughs> why is that duh wait why is that duh? I mean women are normally more sociable right on I mean on average so then right wouldn't you think that the men would be it would be more significant yeah but it says the desire to be more social was more pronounced in women than men hmm. huh I do know that from being in bathrooms where there are also drunk women oh goodness meeting if you're when you're a girl and you go into a women's restroom Mm -hmm. and there's other drunk girls in there you make the quickest friends you've ever made in your life (laughs) they tell you things you do not want to know no i was going the opposite way they're so nice i've always had such good experiences with other drunk women in restrooms they're always just so nice i thought this was really interesting one of the parts of the study said that those who were drinking alcohol had a higher capacity to recognize happy facial expressions faster. It increased their emotional empathy. That's your bathroom thing. Yeah. And increased libido, which we kind of know. Mm-hmm. 
So that one's kind of like, yeah. But I that like the thing about increased emotion. But it all makes sense if you think about it. Although the facial expressions faster is interesting. That's, it makes you able I to. I wonder if the emotional thing is related to inhibitions. Because I think a lot of our lack of emotional intelligence, basically, is a cultural thing of not wanting to be very emotional with others. Oh. So maybe we're just feeling like less inhibitions about showing and recognizing emotions in other people. Mm-hmm. That's totally a speculation, though. I have no idea. Good speculations, though. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I like that. I think that's all I have to say for now. Okay. I, think, I mean, so so the bottom line of that rambling was that the whole idea of beer goggles it's not really probably a physical thing as much as it's just a psychological thing, except for the physical thing that it lowers your inhibitions. But otherwise, right. you just kind of get into that feeling good state where you're, you know, feeling like you look good, everybody else looks good, and mm-hmm. so... <laughs> so why not? So why not? <laughs> why not? Da, 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 da. <laughs> All right, you talk for a long time. All right. There's got to be a lot of brain talk in this. I hope everyone's cool with that. Oh, man. I need another beer. I love... Math well, get one. And Go then get one. Math and then brains. I love brains. Like, I I know <laughs> <laughs> nearly jack shit about brains. But I really like... It's very interesting to me how the brain works and how the brain functions. So do you want me first to go over kind of... A dummy's overview of, like, the lobes of the brain. I would like you to do that. Please. (laughs) That sounded like you had more to say. I want you to do that, please. Okay. I'm going to draw a diagram while you are narrating. I have a picture if you want to look at it. Oh. It's colored. Ooh. I know. I like it. It's cool. I I understand what you're saying, though. I love brains, too. Yeah. I think it's, it's... it's interesting. Amazing. Yeah. What our brains can do. Because we're all we're all in there. That's all all we know is in there. <laughs> that's little, us. Little sack of wrinkly that's, meat. That's we're us. We're just a little sack of wrinkly meat inside a skeleton <laughs> inside a bigger sack of meat. <laughs> oh. Sleep well, everybody. <laughs> it that's is cool though. It is I've cool though said. to think that everybody you know, with all of the, the tension that we have in the world with, you know, looking at each other and, and being judgmental of each other, you know, for whatever reason, for our skin color, for our, you know, orientations. Sexual orientation. Yeah, it, it, all of that. Gender. It yeah. all comes right down to that exact thing, that what we really are, who we are, is that little wrinkly. wrinkly sack of meat. <laughs> Say the words. Wrinkly sack of meat. Is it actually meat? Well, people eat brains. I mean, not human brains. Zombies do. Some people eat human brains. I don't really know about <laughs> I don't that. know any of them. Personally. I'm hoping that I don't know. But people eat, like, animal brains, right? I guess. Oh. I haven't. Oh. Personally. That's disgusting. But I guess that's what I'm saying. Is that yeah. actually considered meat cells? What is considered meat? Where is the line I here? I don't know. I have to look up the definition. <laughs> What's the line of that we're drawing of meat. <laughs> okay, tell us about the brain, oh, Anna. Jesus. Okay, so the parts of the brain that I'm going to be talking about, there's four lobes of the brain, and then there's some extra bonus brain. <laughs> so the, <laughs> the the lobes of the brain are considered the forebrain, and you would think that means the front, like four, but it doesn't. The forebrain is like the main meat of the brain. I will say the word meat. So the main part of the brain that has the four, what? Oh, there's, there's yelling. Like a party going on. We're, the we're recording this in a hotel, a flat hotel. A flat hotel with <laughs> as no flat wind. as possible. So the four lobes that I'm going to be talking about are in the forebrain. The first is the frontal lobe, and that's where, yes, that's where you think it would be in the front in of the your front, front of your head. I was telling this to mom that. The names of the lobes are more boring than I thought because they don't have anything to do with what the lobe does, which I thought they would. They have more to do with where it is. So the frontal lobe, as you were saying, Mm -hmm. is in the front part of our head. It controls reasoning, planning, motor control. There's some emotion parts in there. There's speech production in an area called the Broca's area and problem solving. So... 
the higher level functioning is in the frontal lobe. So it's it's reasoning and it's problem solving. That kind of stuff is stored in the front part of our brains. And that's the part of the brain that does not fully develop <laughs> until you're 25 years old. What was, the line, what was the line you said to me last night? We were talking about, because part, part of our both of our jobs is going into schools and working with kids. What, mm-hmm. what was the line you said to me? I don't know exactly, but I do. I say often to my adolescent clients, I say, you know, your frontal lobe, dude, your frontal lobe is not all the way developed. So you have to kind of. I think the way you said it to me was, we can only do so much, but yeah. your frontal lobe won't develop until you're <laughs> That's 25. Right. We'll do what we can. But until that frontal lobe is fully developed, we are really just winging this. We're just, we're just doing the best we can. I heard this really cool thing that said, it's kind of like before you're 25 years old, your frontal lobe is kind of like if you bought a big screen TV and you had all like the parts you're going to plug into it, like the PlayStation and the DVD or whatever the people have these days that they plug into their TVs. Sure. Okay. And they're all sitting there and they're beautiful and ready to go, but they're not plugged into the TV yet. Mm. Kind of like that analogy. So they work. They're just not hooked up yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got to wait. Okay. Frontal lobe. Check. Okay. Parietal lobe. Do you know where that is? No. Okay. Parietal lobe is also on the top of your head. So if you put your finger like in the middle of the top of your head, it's sort of a little bit behind that because the frontal lobe extends pretty far back. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, if you move your, your finger back like two inches, it's kind of right there. <laughs> we're actually doing this. Yeah, we are we are demonstrating for yes. each other. So you can see it. Yeah. Okay. So the parietal lobe is movement, uh, body orientation, the recognition of stimuli, like in perception of sensory stimuli, basically that we know what's going on with our body and what we're feeling with our senses. That's the parietal lobe. And each of our brain hemispheres has a part of each lobe. So like each of these lobes extends into both hemispheres. The temporal lobe is next. And the temporal lobe is named because it's between your temples. So it's like right back behind your eyes. That's where the temporal lobe is. The temporal lobe is perception and recognition of auditory stimuli. It also has memory in there and information retrieval, and it's also language comprehension. So you can remember that because it's right between your ears. <laughs> that's, that's where your temporal lobe is. And the last one is the occipital lobe, which is at the back of your skull. So kind of put your fingers like right back from where the eyes are. Mm-hmm. That little thing is the occipital lobe. It's literally named for back of head like this. <laughs> where the word comes from boring it's boring that's not boring that's boring sensical because i thought occipital was from the root word the same root word as like oculus or ocular which is sight because the occipital lobe has to do with visual cortex in the sight and the visual reception of stimuli and like interpreting what you're seeing so that's where that's that's what's stored in the occipital lobe and then you have your brainstem, which is where your brain connects to your spine, and that's involuntary responses, so like breathing and stuff. And your cerebellum, which is kind of the little sack at the bottom of your brain. <laughs> sack. And sack it's of meat. a sack of meat on top of your bigger sack of meat. And it's your balance and coordination and stuff is in your cerebellum. Okay. So that was affected when we were in the hotel that was swaying. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was knocking our cerebellum off balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I will do a quick disclaimer here that looking for the effects of alcohol on your brain is very tough. Because when you look for alcohol effects, all the studies and all the stuff is long-term effects. Right. It's very hard to find. And it's also hard to find because the, the ones that are actually about short-term effects and how alcohol concretely affects the brain in its stages of drinking has language as follows. The inhibitory aspect occurs due to a hyperpolarization of neurons secondary to an influx of chloride ions. (laughs) Bitch, what? (laughs) What? Pip-pip. What? (laughs) I am too stupid to know what half of those words mean. So that's the kind of stuff we're dealing with. So we're going to do our best here. So the first stage of drinking is typically called euphoria. Mm -hmm. This is when your blood alcohol content is below like 0.05. This is your first couple drinks or your first drink if your blood alcohol content goes up very fast. Mm -hmm. 
So this is the beginning of drinking. The alcohol increases the release of dopamine in your system. That's what causes the increase of confidence, the increase of sociability, and this is where it also is associated with lowering inhibitions. However, even in, in my research as well, it was talking about how it's unclear whether the lowering of inhibitions is chemical or psychological mm-hmm. because the studies with placebos usually duplicate the social effects of alcohol at low or moderate doses. So the beginning and kind of a couple drinks in of drinking. And there's studies that suggest that intoxicated people have greater control over their behavior than they usually recognize. It's just they have a reduced ability to evaluate the consequences of their behavior, which is based in their frontal lobe, which is one of the first things that gets hit when you start drinking. Right. So like you said earlier, the effects of alcohol are also largely cultural. Like the way that we anticipate alcohol will affect us really influences how it affects us. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's it's way more psychological than people realize. However, like I'm going to explain, there are actual physical changes that happen in our brain as we drink. So the disinhibition is either because of the stimulation of motor control in our brain. So that means we respond to stimuli faster because our motor control is stimulated. Or, I guess and or, it could be both. Or the disruption of the prefrontal cortex, which is in the frontal lobe, and that's what's involved in reasoning and and problem solving Mm. so because that's like not working as great and our motor control is working extra great then we do stuff before we think about it that's where the disinhibition comes from and that kind of relates to low doses of alcohol being a stimulant that it stimulates the it, it makes us more that's why like people who are one or two drinks in will motion with their hands all, a lot more as they hyper, talk yeah. and they they'll be more animated and yeah, yeah they'll be happier and, and usually like their mood will be elevated so that's where the euphoria comes in that's the beginning of drinking you'll usually feel relaxed but you will also be experiencing some minor impairment of reasoning and memory mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh Anna Marie <laughs> yeah. every time I burp mom has to say my name <laughs> Because one of the first episodes, there was a burp, and she's like, that could have been either of us, and I don't want people to think I was burping into the microphone. So now every time I burp, she has to I just let, say, people, let the people know. Someday she's going to burp, and she's going to say my name after I it, will. and I'm going to have to call her out. All right. Next stage is depression. I said that very excited. So I, that's not a happy thing. <laughs> So well, when we do our podcast, usually we just stop at this first stage. We try. We're, we're just kind of in that no, no, zone. No, sometimes I get past it. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, because one of the things that I don't, I, I don't have any scientific backing of this, but one of the things I do is when I'm in the euphoria stage, I drink more, more quickly. So then by the time it hits me, it gets me into a deeper stage than I want to be in of drunkenness because that disinhibition and the yeah. and the confidence and stuff is kicking in and making me have poor consequence recognition of how these drinks are going to affect me. The thing I've said to mom before is once you've had one or two glasses or one or two drinks, the thing that sounds best is more drinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's dangerous. Right. So the next stage is called depression. But I want to be clear here that that doesn't mean like depression like we would talk about it as a counselor right and that used to annoy me in college when people would say like i don't know why people drink because alcohol is a depressant it is but that's not what they were saying is but it would make people bummed out because it's a depressant Mm -hmm. but that's a different way to use the word when we talk about alcohol being a depressant we mean that it depresses like pushes down functions of our brain right So it doesn't mean it bums us out. It means it stops functions from happening. I'm very burpy. But you could feel sad. Well, sure. But that also has to do with how you're going into drinking and the environment that you're in. Yeah. 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 So the depression, quote unquote, stage is usually after your blood alcohol content goes above 0.05. So for Utah, this would be... (laughs) be Don't don't drive when you get to the depression. Don't drive when you get to the depression stage. So this includes disorientation, 
and memory loss. So the disorientation probably comes from the parietal lobe um, because that's your, your orientation center. And the memory loss is probably in your temporal lobe because that's where the memory is stored mm-hmm. or that's where the memory retrieval comes from basically so once the blood alcohol level reaches beyond 0.05 your blood and your body tissue start to absorb the extra alcohol and the euphoria turns into your your things being depressed because low doses of alcohol are a stimulant higher doses of alcohol are depressant and like i said depressant does not mean makes you depressed it means it starts turning off parts and functions of the brain okay so the next stage they have weird names euphoria makes kind of sense depression you have to explain a bit the next one is excitement yeah and that's that doesn't mean you're excited because <laughs> this is where things start to start to get yeah, a why little they serious call it that? That, it, is, it mean, that is weird it's it's weird it is weird because like it's not even the excitement like in a scientific no. term it's i have no idea why they call it that But this is when you're legally intoxicated. Congratulations! Except for Utah, where you're legally intoxicated in the depression stage. Yep. Everywhere else, congratulations! You're intoxicated! Because this is when your blood alcohol content gets to Mm 0.09 up to (laughs) 0.25. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's three times the legal limit. So, the excitement stage is when... I'm going to break this down into lobes. So, occipital lobe. Do you remember what that is? Or what it controls? The eyes, yeah, the visual yeah, 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 recognition yeah. thing. So your occipital lobe. I didn't know there was going to be quizzes. Okay, go on. Keep you on your toes. That's not good today. You're t- <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, I'm still reeling from our episode yesterday. Okay, go on. So the occipital lobe does control your vision, and so you will have blurred vision, and that's when things start to sway a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it also affects your temporal lobe, which is slurred speech and slurred hearing where you can't process that as well. So the the temporal lobe is where language comprehension comes from. And actually slurred speech would be in the frontal lobe because that's what Broca's area does. Broca's area is our speech production. I like that name. I know. It's a very cool name. And the comprehension is Wernicke's area. And that's in the temporal lobe. You sound so smart. Wernicke's. It's spelled with a W. Hey, can I go back for a minute? Yeah. Because when I was doing the BAC stuff, I should have said, now this is very general because as we talked about, there are a lot of variables uh, to your own blood alcohol content. Mm-hmm. But but at, on the average, basically speaking, yeah. and that even to say the average size man and woman is ridiculous because we're all so different. Yeah. But generally speaking, a man reaches like at least 0.08.09 okay three to five drinks within an hour and it's yes. and it's specific that you need to you need to consume it within a certain amount of time okay. so it's not that's so very if you different skip past euphoria and depression and go straight to excitement slam some drinks mm-hmm. in an hour and remember that like if saying three to five drinks it doesn't matter as long as the alcohol content of the drink is that's true uh, there is, are so if you again lot of variables but there are like apps you can get that are like BAC calculators where you can put in I've seen where you can put in like the drink that you're drinking the weight that you are your height and your gender and so that narrows it down a bit but again there's a lot of factors other than that like how much you've eaten and stuff like that so 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 again for, for a man it's three to five drinks within an hour okay and for a woman two to four so if you think about that, if you have two glasses of wine with dinner, you yeah. know, in that hour. Glasses like normal people pour glasses, well, not like a, we pour glasses. That's a really good point. <laughs> not like to Anna the rim. Rem- Anna reminded me that sometimes our, our glasses of wine are not exactly <laughs> When I say one a bottle of wine, for me, that's four <laughs> glasses. I can do that in four <laughs> glasses of wine. So, yes, they're serving size is important those little stemless wine glasses full up to the i was always told that those red solo cups like they have the ridges i have no idea if this is true but they have like the ridges on certain sections like certain height up the those are measurements for yeah so like yeah so like there's one right way close to the bottom and that's two ounces so like a a serving like a shot of hard liquor and then there's one a little bit higher up like two or three inches up that's a wine serving Ah. and then there's one that's like a beer serving huh Mm -hmm. i have no idea if that's true (laughs) 
I was told that when yeah, I was drunk I was in college. Say, someone was holding one of those cups As someone when they was told pouring you that. way more than the recommended <laughs> serving of liquor in my glass, saying, that's where the serving is supposed to go. Like, right. thanks, bud. Just go past that. Where was I? So at this stage. Excitement? People kind of can, people who are sober can usually kind of recognize when oh, a person yeah. is, is at this stage. Yeah, and there's definitely ways to tell even when you're in some of the earlier stages like people get a little flushed and and people again harder to reason so even if they're talking fine there's not like slurred speech or anything Mm -hmm. if they're not quite with it then maybe they've had like one or two glasses but yeah this is when a little more friendly yeah (laughs) they're a little little bit more animated when they talk but yeah this stage is definitely when it's it's unavoidable that these people are drunk that they are consuming alcohol. Okay. So te- temporal lobe, did I already talk about that one? Temporal lobe is slurred speech mm-hmm. and your hearing isn't as good. So that's because your temporal lobe functions are being depressed. The frontal lobe is where the lack of control comes in. And again, this is where your reasoning is stored. So you're not making as good decisions. You are not able to process information as well. You're just not able to do those higher level functions as well. You're just, you're not there. Mm-hmm. So the parietal lobe, that's the one on top, a little bit far back, that's where sensory information comes in, and that's also affected. So that's causing a loss of fine motor skills. This is where the slower reaction time is coming in. So that's the main reason, one of the main reasons, that this was set as the limit for driving. Because when you are behind the wheel of a car, if you're saying, I'm fine, I feel fine. First of all, this frontal lobe making your decision, your decision part of your brain not work as well. Mm-hmm. And that's in combination with your parietal lobe making your reaction time slower. So even if you feel fine, if you're on the road and someone stops really quick in front of you, you're not going to be able to stop in time. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, don't drink and drive. I cannot stress this enough especially as we get into some of the more because excitement's kind of where it verges from like fun a few drinks with your friends to really too drunk going you too should, far yeah you should be chilling out a little mm-hmm. bit please be safe this is where kind of alcohol poisoning comes in mm-hmm. that this is where that that risk comes in next one's confusion this is point and these stages overlap a little bit so this is point one eight to point three This is where ataxia happens, and ataxia is just a fancy word for being really disoriented. You are clumsy. You're swaying back and forth. I'm sorry, not laughing, swaying back and forth or falling down. Next one's falling down. I'm laughing because, so for my 21st birthday, even though I started drinking before my 21st birthday, (gasps) I know. Like, you didn't know that before. So disappointing. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. My 21st birthday, it was either a Friday or a Saturday, but I had a show the next day. I was in Much Do About Nothing. I was Beatrice. And I had a show the next day. So I was like, I can't get super drunk because I still have to perform tomorrow. Even though I knew some theater people who, like, would not care about that. (laughs) So, but my friends took me out. And in our circle, there was kind of a tradition of your 21st birthday. You would go to a local a local pub in our town and have three Dizzy Buddhas. Have you ever had Dizzy Buddha? I did one time with you, yeah. You did? Oh, yeah. I, I peer pressured you into it. Yeah. And they do make you a very di- dizzy. A Dizzy Buddha has seven shots of alcohol in it, and it tastes like a fruit roll-up. It goes down smooth. And then it has a whole bunch of, like, fruit on top that soaks up the alcohol as well. <laughs> That's what you would think. That's where it really gets good. So the tradition was to have three of those because three times seven is 21. <laughs> and you have 21 shots on your 21st birthday. So they took me. I had three Dizzy Buddhas. And I was feeling fine. I really wasn't feeling, like, the excitement things. Like, I, I wasn't. Now, granted, I was, like, sitting down the whole time. However, when I bent down to get my bag, I fell right off my chair. So I think I just skipped the first three stages of this and went right to confusion. <laughs> like I was feeling very normal up until that point. And that's where the orientation comes in. Okay, so confusion. Ataxia, feeling disoriented, physically disoriented, being clumsy, lack of coordination. And cerebellum is also coordination, so that's also being affected. This is where blackouts start happening. They are likely to occur at this stage, and they're a result of the hippocampus. 
So that's the region of the brain that's responsible for making new memories. And that part's malfunctioning. So that's where, oh, I can't remember what I did last night. That's because the part of the brain that makes new memories, that forms new memories, is not functioning as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. So if you go back to the idea that our brains are so amazing and can do all these things, and then you think about, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to be judgmental here, but if you get to that point where you're blacking out, you know, you really have overdone it. You need, you you know, you need to not go that far. Well, you... yeah, like, and again, like, there's a way to say that less just you suppose, yeah, but sorry. the brain wasn't made for that type of consumption of a thing that suppresses brain activity. There you go. That's a good way to say it. We have very... I mean, I'm not saying. I've never been in that point in my life. Oh, I, for sure, you know, yeah. Anyone who does drink alcohol sometimes, especially in college and mm-hmm. stuff. It's but, easy to overdo it yeah. sometimes. We have very fragile sacks of meat. Sacks of wrinkly meat. <laughs> gross. <laughs> so gross. Is this better or worse than love tank? I think they kind of go hand in hand, I think. I don't wrinkly know. Wrinkly sack of meat versus love tank. Vote. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet us. <laughs> Vote. Oh. oh, man. Okay, the next one's stupor. So this is where alcohol poisoning is a very real risk. All Basically, all of your mental, physical, and sensory functions are severely impaired at this point in, in drinking. The risk for asphyxiation is very high. The risk of injury is very high. If you're still, like, wandering around the party, like, you're probably going to mess yourself up somehow. And this is where if one of your friends is at this stage and they go to sleep, make sure they're on their side. Please be safe. So the next... The next stage, and this is where we're going to get a little bit more serious, is coma. This is where your blood alcohol content is about 0.40 and above. And this part's going to be a little less jokey because this is where it comes in that people die. And people get very seriously injured. Even if you're not taking the risk of drunk driving, this is where people drink themselves to death. And this is where things happen that are way beyond our control. So if you are going to be drinking, when we say drink responsibly, we mean don't even let yourself get to this point. Right. Don't even take the risk. And if you're in an environment where other people are taking the risk, it may mean you have to make some hard choices about stopping that behavior. You know, this is where people get called narcs for calling the cops when someone's in real physical danger or calling the ambulance. I I remember in school, there were times when people did call the ambulance or people should have called the ambulance and were pressured not to because the other people around them didn't want to get in trouble. This is why it's really important to remember that there are protections against that that even if you're intoxicated even if you're you know below the legal age limit there are protections that if you call the authorities or call the medical professionals to come get someone you may not be prosecuted just because you have done i think they're good samaritan laws so those good samaritan laws are in place that if you feel like someone's in danger don't feel like you shouldn't call the professionals to come handle that situation just because you're going to get in trouble because it's way more important that people are safe and taken care of. Mm-hmm. So if you are in a situation where this is a risk, then please, please call someone. Please, please have someone there that knows what they're doing and can help because this is nothing to play around with. So this stage is where you have the potential for going into a coma as a result of your compromised respiration, um, your circulation, your motor responses, your reflexes, all being depressed. So alcohol poisoning is very, very likely to occur, and alcohol poisoning can lead to death. I mean, this is, you know, I know it's fun to talk about drinking. I know it's fun to, I mean, we have a podcast called Freudian Sips. We make jokes about this stuff, but once it gets to this point, it's not a joke. It's not funny. And you know, we need to be very careful when it comes to this, these kinds of drinking activities, basically. Okay, is there anything you want to add for that? Ann and I talked a long time about um, 
because we want our podcast to be fun. Yeah. And we want it to always feel like we're just sitting around having fun and talking. And, and so then when we had, when every single subject that we do talk about, there is a bit of sensitivity that we need to have for right. people who are truly struggling with something there, you know, whether, you know, you go back to what we've already talked about in other episodes, even like with phobias. You know, we, we joked about it. and But if, if a person is really um, stigmatized by phobias, we, we never would want to be like we're making a joke about something that's serious for somebody. Right. And so that would be the same for this. I'd, we don't mean to get all heavy and depressing about this, but we also do not want to act like it's something that you can just joke about. We don't want to make light of something that someone is legitimately struggling with. Right, right. And that's one of the reasons in my mind that at the beginning of the episode we talk about what we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. so even though we don't say like hey trigger warning or content warning take that as a content warning that if you think something we're going to talk about in that episode is going to be hurtful to you don't don't listen to that one and and also don't be afraid to say to us because like we've said in other episodes we're always trying to learn and grow Mm -hmm. so don't be afraid to interact with us and say hey the way you talked about this or handled this was a little bit hurtful to me Please let us know that so at the very least we can apologize to you personally and maybe we can make a correction in our next episode about, hey, we we were told that we handled this poorly and we would like to apologize. So mm-hmm. we always want to be careful of that. However, we are very humor oriented. And mm-hmm. I mean, even in counseling, I, I utilize humor a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, also it may seem like we're joking about things that maybe we shouldn't be joking about, but some things can be joked about it's okay even my my mental health struggles i tend to use humor about them and self-deprecating humor and all that kind of stuff that maybe it's a little walking the line to joke about it i still joke about it it's a hard line to walk and if you ever feel like we cross it please tell us Mm -hmm. so can we sum up those stages and because the point of talking about all that was how does alcohol affect our brain and you did a really good job of going through and talking about you know, the parts of the brain that are affected at different times. and I think the way I'd sum it up is, so imagine a room with like 20 lamps in it, and each lamp is connected to a different light switch. And as you drink alcohol, you turn off more light switches. So you've just got to be aware of how many lamps you can function <laughs> with. Like... So that's, that's a really good. Did you read that or did you make that up? I just made that up right that now. That is awesome. That's one and a half beer, Anna. <laughs> this is how many lamps is my ideal yeah. lamp stage. So, yeah. That's amazing. You just got to be aware of how much alcohol turns off how many of your light switches. And you've got to be aware of how many light switches you can turn off before you are too far. So mm. you've, and like that goes back to our blood alcohol content that everyone is affected differently by different types of alcohol like i had a friend in college who was um allergic to tequila oh i know but you would think that means she broke out or something no it just means it made her way drunker than usual so she would choose intentionally to drink tequila because it made her way drunker than usual oh not a wise choice please don't do that no don't do that So again, it's about knowing yourself and that's, I think, where it always comes back to when we talk about anything, anything in any of our episodes. We do always seem to come back to that. That must be like our anchor (sighs) statement. Just knowing yourself and being Mm self-aware, I think. Mm -hmm. Can we do something fun to wrap up the episode? How about breaking the seal? (laughs) (laughs) I have a glossary of uh, drinking slang and slang for being drunk, but I still want to learn about breaking the seal. Well, let me do that first and then you do your slang. So just very quickly, the idea of, you know, when you're drinking, and and I'm sure that you've all heard that, where you say, I don't want to go to the bathroom yet because I don't want to break the seal. Uh Because then, you know, and I... I've had that. Haven't you had that feeling? Like once you go to the bathroom, then you got to just keep going. Yeah. Well, so there's actually kind of a scientific thing behind that, but it's not about breaking the seal. It's just that alcohol does irritate, is the word they use, it irritates our bladder. About 20 minutes into introducing alcohol into our system, even just a little bit, our bladder becomes irritated, which makes us feel. So even if you haven't had, you could have had several drinks and so your bladder can only hold so much fluid. But right. even if you only had one, 
At 20 minutes in, you're going to start to feel like you got to go to the bathroom because it does that irritation of the bladder. Um, So that part is actually scientific. That does actually happen. Where that thought... (laughs) Wait, so this means like once you break the seal, your bladder's like, I can get rid of this? Get rid of the rest of it. The bottom line of the study, and I read two different studies about it, believe it or not, there are studies out there about breaking the seal. You read more than one study. I too, um, (laughs) is what I could find. People will do studies about anything, won't they? So the one in particular that I read said that it is true that we actually have something in our body, a hormone called vasopressin. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sure. After all your fancy words about the brain, I had to throw one little fancy word in. (laughs) And vasopressin promotes reabsorption of water from the kidneys into the rest of the body. And so if you block that, which is what happens when you drink alcohol, it blocks that, the release of that. So then when you block it, the water goes back in your body. So you, you basically do have to pee quicker. Oh, is that like... <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you worrying about saying pee? pee is a customer? <laughs> I said shit <laughs> several <laughs> times. <laughs> I should have said urinate. Oh, heck. Oh, wait. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, oh, geez. Oh, golly. Golly. Oh, golly, It, it makes you feel like you have to urinate. <laughs> More that's worse. Oh, that's worse. <laughs> so the bottom line is, yes, your body does go through some actual scientific changes, but it's not true that once you once you pee, you got to pee more often. That's not breaking the seal. So is, it's psychological. Is, it's psychological. Wow. It's, that's exa- and it goes back to what we talked about before, that there are several things that we believe about drinking. Right. You know, that socialization thing. And even, you know, I know you've been somewhere where you get up to go to the bathroom and somebody at the table says, don't, don't break, break the, the seal. seal. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some things that happen in our body that make us urinate. I wonder more if that will affect alcohol. the next time that I'm drinking enough to feel like I'm going to break the seal, which is probably going to be tonight. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> that I wonder if that will, like, if I'll be able to say to myself, like, that's psychological. It's fine. No, no, it's still going to feel like no. breaking the seal. You're still going to have darn to it. Pee. Yeah. Okay. So first, before I go into this list, I'm not going to say everything. There's like 350 of them. What's your favorite word for being drunk? We just talked about cussing and now I can't do it. Oh, that's your favorite? Yeah, I think so. Because mine would be similar to that. It's shipwrecked. Oh, that's more appropriate. Yeah. Okay. That's fun, right? So let me see some fun ones. Let's try some. Um, blitzed is a is a common one. There's, I'm just going to find some really weird ones. Annihilated, I've heard that a few times. Give me, give me a letter. Give me a letter. Interplanetary is on the list. Good lord! I know. Does it have like the most commonly used? This is just a list of like oh, drinking slime, but they're alphabetical. Yeah. Wow. Uh huh. Give me a letter. S. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Sweet. Sauce monsters. The first one. That's <laughs> sauce monster. I have never heard of that. I've never heard. Go of to it M. Either. Try M. Try M. M. Do you have a specific one you're hoping to hear? No. Maggoted. Oh yeah, that's gross. Motherless. What does that, that, <laughs> what does that mean? Miserable is on here. Ooh, mulberry bushed. That's my new favorite. <laughs> I'm gonna go so out and just, get totally somebody, mulberry bushed. Did somebody just make this list up? Because I've never heard these things. I mean, do you see any that you actually have ever seen before? Yeah, I'm just trying not to schnockered. Schnockered is on there. Is there? That's what my mom used to say. Schnockered. Don't go out and get schnockered. Schwasted. Or wasted. Or wasted. Wasted, right. It's got to be on there. Spice racked. (laughs) Spice racked. Soused, I've heard that before. Yeah. Smashed is on there. Stocious. Okay. Dude, I'm going to get totally stocious tonight, man. Sazzled. There's some fun ones on here. Sea captain. That's appropriate. Sea captain. (laughs) Tanked. Tanked, I've heard, yeah. Three sheets to the wind, I've heard yeah, that before. Yeah. What exactly does that mean? Three sheets to the wind. We'll have to look that up and see what that means. Three sheets to the wind. And it's sheets, like bed sheets, right? Is oh, that how it's spelled? I believe. I would or I would it? assume it's from a ship. Yes, I was right. Derived from sailing ships. The sheet in the phrase uses the nautical meaning of a rope that controls the trim of a sail. 
So the sheet that's in the wind has come loose from its mooring and is flapping like a oh, flag. Oh, wow. That's going to... I learned all that brain stuff earlier. But and that's going to be I've the one you take away. Sheets to the wind. <laughs> that's good. I like that. Varnished is on the list. <laughs> that's a good one. Winkered. Heard that. Well-oiled. Uh, wasty pants. Xylophoned. They had to think of something for Z. They just made that up. <laughs> Xylophone begins with an X. Oh. <laughs> I must be Xylophone. And I've only had one and a half beers. I think we know that one and a half beers is our limit. It's laminated. Our <laughs> I'm going to get laminated tonight. Xylophone starts with an X. Howling at the moon. I should have known that. Four sheets to the wind is also on the list. That's even worse. It's even worse than three sheets to the wind. Okay. Okay. How do we how do we wrap this up, Mom? So we wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. Faith and Begora, or whatever they say. <laughs> Faith and Begora. <laughs> have, go have some sauerkraut we'll and corned beef and cabbage. Three sheets to the wind. And get three sheets to the wind. Two gingers such as us should enjoy Although we're very German, so yeah, I guess that Irish. doesn't really count. But we, we could fool people. I've been to Ireland. Yeah, show off. So we do want you to go and have a good time for St. Patrick's Day and any other thing that you might be celebrating. But please be safe. Be safe. Be keep, responsible. Keep in mind all of those um, lamps that are being affected in your brain when you drink alcohol. <laughs> your switch is turned off. Mm-hmm. And as we always, always say, if, if you feel like you have a situation in your life that you need some assistance, maybe, and maybe drinking is one of those things in your life, mm-hmm. that you've become self-aware that maybe you need some help with that. Yep. We do encourage you to find a professional to help you with those things. Please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know we said we wouldn't talk about the effects of alcoholism or anything, but this is one of those things that can be very easy to start slow and go too much because your tolerance builds up until Mm -hmm. it's a problem Mm -hmm. so it can be easy for it to become a problem without us knowing it's becoming a problem because it is pretty widely accepted i mean drinking is pretty socially i would even go so far as to say it's socially expected in a lot of cases i agree that you know when you're at a party you're kind of expected to have a few drinks just as a social lubricant and I think that because of the, the social acceptedness of it, it's easy for people to say, I don't have a problem. I'm just doing what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Can you thank the people for listening? Thank you so <laughs> much. I can. Um, thank you so much for listening to Freudian Sips. It's always so good to have you with us and to share some time with us. And we hope that you'll listen to the next one as well. We'll be back soon to talk with you again. And we're running out of things to talk about already. So please tell us if you have any ideas. ideas. Send us some ideas. Interact with us on Twitter and email. You can find us on many places online. The main place being FreudianSipsPod.com. That has links to everywhere else. You can listen to us. You can follow us. So you can follow us on places like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Those are all by the name FreudianSipsPod. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com. There's also a contact form on the site. And if you like what we're doing and you want to help us with hosting costs or buying bottles of beer, of which we can each have two, you can support us on Patreon, also by the name FreudianSipsPod. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And please, if you are listening to us on a place that has a rating and review system that's mainly iTunes, I think Stitcher also has one, please leave us a nice rating and review. That really helps us to kind of rise up the ranks and have more people find us. So please do that. That'll help us a lot. And also, it makes our hearts happy to it see does. good reviews. And tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends that we're fun and you can hang out with us. <laughs> Lie to your friends and tell them that we're fun. <laughs> our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs>